Do you believe Jesus is with you in every moment? One of the best ways to instill this truth is by spending time in reflection and prayer. Dr. David Jeremiah makes this easy with his new 365-day devotional called Walking with Jesus. This exclusive book is available for a gift of any amount in support of Turning Point. And for a donation of $120 or more, you'll receive the devotional four-pack, perfect for gifting. Learn more when you visit davidjeremiah.ca. The cross was once an instrument of torture and execution, but is now the universal symbol of Christianity, a reminder of Jesus' victory over death. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah reflects on this most essential doctrine of our faith, the resurrection. Continuing his series, The Jesus You May Not Know, here's David to introduce today's message, Is He Living or Did He Die? Amen. Well, that's a good question, isn't it? What happened when Jesus uh, was taken from the cross and put in the tomb? And where is he now? Is he living? Is he the living Lord? 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is our subject, and it's going to be uh, very important for you to have your Bibles open. If you have your study guide, and you can follow along uh, in your study guide as we go through the outline. The study guide is very helpful in that regard because it keeps you focused on what we're currently talking about. You can get the study guide, and it's great for what's later, but this is lesson number eight in our current study guide, and it's page uh, 101. If you have the study guide, go there, and as we go through the lesson today and then after the Christmas collection, we'll come back and finish this up. You'll be able to follow along. Uh, tomorrow, we will begin our Christmas collection, which is several messages just based on Christmas. Tomorrow's message is the wonder of Christmas. I hope you will be with us through the holidays as we celebrate the real meaning of the birth of Christ. Today, we're going to talk about this question. Is he living or did he die? I heard about a Christian who was walking through an art gallery in Glasgow, Scotland on one occasion. He came upon a small boy who was gazing upward at a painting of the crucifixion. After watching him a moment, the man laid a hand on the little lad's shoulder and he said, Young fellow, what is that picture? And the boy said, Why, sir, you don't know? It's our Lord dying on the cross. He is bearing our sins. The man patted the boy on the shoulder and said, thank you, and he walked on looking at the other pictures in the gallery. Suddenly he felt a tug at his sleeve, and it was that same little boy again, and he's, pardon me, sir, I've forgotten one thing. He's not dead anymore. He's alive. (laughs) When I read that story, I'm reminded of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The entire chapter says, pardon me, sir. He's not dead anymore. He's alive. If you have your Bibles today, you should find 1 Corinthians 15. I hope you will see in your own Bibles the wonderful message that answers the question, is he living or did he die? And the answer is both. Now, 1 Corinthians might not be familiar to you. You may not know what's in that chapter, or perhaps if somebody said, what is 1 Corinthians 15, you would not answer But if you were to select the 10 greatest chapters in the Bible, 
Hardly anybody who knows the Bible would leave this chapter off that list. I've never seen a list of the great chapters in the Bible where 1 Corinthians 15 wasn't on the list. It's all about the resurrection. I heard a story about a man who only went to church on Easter. Every Easter he'd go to church. Didn't go any other time. One day as he's leaving, the pastor said, you know, I see you on Easter. Why don't you come more often? He said, well, pastor, I would. But every time I come, you preach on the same thing, and it's boring, and I don't want to come anymore. (laughs) First of all, he's admitting that he only comes to church once a year, and then he hasn't figured out that when he comes, it's Easter, and you always preach on the resurrection on Easter. In the first four chapters of 1 Corinthians 15, Paul gives us the clearest and most concise definition of the gospel. If somebody were to ask you today, what is the gospel, what would you say? Well, here's your answer. I declare to you the gospel, said Paul, that which I also received, and here it is, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That is the gospel. That is the good news. And Paul insisted that the resurrection of Jesus Christ be a part of that definition. It is pivotal to our lives. In fact, the apostles said that if the resurrection isn't a part of it, nothing that we do has any meaning. In the next few verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verses 17 through 19, Paul says this, If Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. That means it's meaningless. If Christ is not risen, you are still in your sins. If Christ is not risen, all of those Christians who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If Christ is not risen, in this life only we have hope in Christ. We are of all men most to be pitied. I remember growing up in a Christian family and going to the church where my father preached. And he always preached on the resurrection on Easter. And once in a while he would preach on it at other times. But I was a student in seminary. In my second semester as a freshman, before I really came to grips with what the resurrection was all about, I'll never forget it. I went to a friendship dinner where Haddon Robinson was the speaker. And he spoke on the resurrection, and I will never forget that message. For the first time in my life, I realized that the death of Christ is without meaning if there is no resurrection. If Christ died and he did not come out of the grave as he said he would, then his death is no better than the death of any martyr who ever lived before him or after him. The resurrection is the touchstone of the gospel. It was the resurrection that was the message of the apostles after Jesus came out of the grave. And if Jesus Christ is not alive today, men and women, those of us who are Christians should be pitied. And here's why. Because we believe there is a better world than the one in which we live. We believe that this world is temporary. And if Christ isn't risen, we have given up both worlds. We have turned our backs on this world in order to face a world which doesn't even exist. Paul was right. If Christ is not risen, we should be pitied. 
We simply cannot overestimate the importance of Jesus' resurrection. If it didn't happen, our lives are futile and meaningless. But look at the next verse in the text and rejoice with me. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. Hallelujah. It isn't a matter of did he rise. It is a matter that he did and now we rejoice in the fact that we know the risen Christ and we understand the resurrection. Now, don't miss this. The Bible says that Jesus' resurrection is not just about him, but it's about us. He is the first fruits of those who have slept. I've read that verse hundreds of times without understanding the incredible depth behind it. Today, I want you to consider some things we might never have known about Jesus. And one of them is this, that Jesus is the first fruits of those who sleep. And I want you to just hold your questions about that and let me explain that from the Old Testament. This is a doctrine that we believe, that Jesus is the first fruits of those who sleep. In the Old Testament book of Leviticus, in the 23rd chapter, we have the background of the Feast of the First Fruits. That was a Jewish feast. How many of you know that much of the truth of the New Testament rests upon some understanding of the Old Testament? So let me tell you a little bit about this feast. The Feast of the First Fruits went like this. Every year during harvest time, a Jewish person would go out into the harvest and he would go out into the grain and he would mark out a spot in the grain and he would cut off a sheaf of the harvest and he would bring it back to the tabernacle and he would give it to the priest and the priest would take and he would wave that sheaf before the Lord. What was the meaning of that? Well, it was called the first fruits. It came out of the first part of the harvest and by waving it before the Lord, the priest was saying, This is the beginning of the harvest, but the harvest hasn't totally come yet. This is the first fruits. This is a promise there is more. We bring this offering to you from the harvest, but there's more to come. And he would wave the sheaf. Now, when Jesus says he is the first fruits of those who sleep, and the word sleep there means death, he is waving the resurrection of himself before the Lord and saying, I'm the first fruits, there's more resurrections to come. The resurrections are coming. Now let me just tell you something about this feast. It was the third of the seven Jewish feasts and the pledge was presented to the Lord on the day after the Sabbath. How many of you know that Sunday is not the Sabbath? And the word Sabbath means seven. And Sunday's the first day, not the seventh day. So when did they wave the first fruits offering before the Lord? On the day after the Sabbath. Which day is that? That is Sunday. And what is Sunday? It is the reminder to us of the risen Lord. On the day after the Sabbath, on Sunday, They waved the sheaf before the Lord almost as if to connect it to the New Testament. For the Lord Jesus is the firstfruits of those who sleep. It is so interesting to me that this puts these two things together. 
Because Jesus Christ came out of the grave, we rejoice in his resurrection, but we don't often realize that because he came out of the grave, that's the promise that one day we shall come out of the grave. He is the first fruits. He is the first of the resurrections, and there's more resurrections coming. If you and I, if we live and die before Jesus comes back, we will go in the grave. Our spirit and soul will go to be with the Lord, but our bodies will go in the grave. And the Bible says one day, because Jesus came out of the grave victorious over death, our bodies will also be raised up. How do we know that? Because Jesus was the first fruits, and he's the guarantee, he's the promise that there's more resurrections coming. That's the first fruits of the resurrection, 1 Corinthians 15, 20. I'm going to talk with you next about the foundation of the resurrection. And this is in verses 21 and 22. And I'm not trying to get overly theological today. I'm trying to help you grab hold of some truth in this passage. That is some things about Jesus you may not know. And I'm pretty sure there's someone here today that did not know that Jesus was the first fruits of all the resurrections to come. Here's the second thing. Let me read this passage to you. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Now, in verse 21, we learn that there was a time when tragedy came into this world through one man. Who was that man, class? It was Adam. Poor Adam. We've been piling on him for a long time. We don't often say much about his wife, and I'm not going to get into that discussion today. By <laughs> the Bible says, by one man, death came into this world. Did you know that before Adam sinned, there was no death? If Adam had not sinned, everyone would have lived forever. There would have been no death. But when Adam sinned, death was born. And the tragedy that came into this world through Adam is death. But the Bible says in the same verse that through another man, triumph came into the world. And who was that man? That was Jesus Christ. And how did that come into the world? Through the resurrection. Through one man came death. Through another man came life. If you have a Bible like mine, look down at the text and you will notice that the second man in your text is capitalized. Because that man by whom came the resurrection is the Lord Jesus Christ. So, what we have here are two different categories of men. We have Adam's race and we have Jesus' race. Really, there's only two races. You know, we hear a lot about racism today. But in the context of the Bible, there's only two races. There's Adam's race and there's God's race. He's saying that basically these two races are in the world today. There's the race of natural man and there's the race of spiritual man. Adam is the federal head of the natural race. And because Adam sinned, we've inherited that DNA. We're all in Adam's race. You don't have to ask to get in that race. You're automatically in it. The Bible says in sin we were born. We were conceived in sin. That doesn't mean anything about what we do. It's just the inheritance that we have from our federal head in the natural race who is Adam. Because Adam sinned, we all sin. For as in Adam all die, 
even so in Christ, all shall be made alive. Now, let me pause here and straighten out something that's gotten all sideways over the years. How many of you know what universalism is? Universalism is the idea that everybody gets saved no matter what they do, that we all go to heaven. Hallelujah. Isn't this a wonderful party? (laughs) Nobody has to get saved. Nobody has to repent. If you're born, God is so loving, he's going to take everybody to heaven someday. Not And one of the verses they use is this verse. They say, here it says, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But let's go back and look at that verse more carefully. The alls in this verse are particular. As in Adam, all die. That means everyone in the human race, every one of us who are of Adam, One day we shall die. As in Adam, all die. Because Adam once died, we will die. But are all of us in Christ? That is the question. I hope you are. But notice it says, as in Adam, all die. If you're in Christ, the all goes with you. It's not all everybody in the world. It's all everybody in Christ. So as in Adam, all die. In Christ, everybody who's in Christ shall be made alive. Everyone who is in Adam dies. However, everyone who is in Christ shall live. Let me ask you this question. Are you in Christ? You say, how do I get in Christ? You get Christ in you. (laughs) You ask him to come and live in your heart. You accept him as your savior. The Bible says if you're just in Adam, you're going to die. But if you're in Christ, you're going to live. And there's a little paradigm that I remembered from way back when it goes like this if you've been born once you have to die twice but if you've been born twice you only have to die once that's a pretty good deal right there you say how does that work pastor well it works like this if you've been born once and you haven't been born again you're going to die physically and you're going to die spiritually Physical death is the separation of the soul from the body. Spiritual death is the separation from your soul from God forever. You don't want the second death. You don't want that. The Bible says you can avoid the second death by being born twice. You've already been born physically. Now get born spiritually. Let Jesus Christ come into your life. And when you are born spiritually, you may die once physically, but you will never die spiritually. So let me say it again. If you have been born once, you will die twice. But if you have been born twice, you will only have to die once. And some of you, some of us, I believe I'm going to be one of them. I might not have to die at all because if Jesus comes back before I die, I don't have to die no more at all. (laughs) How would you like to escape it all? (laughs) How would it be if Jesus came back and none of us have to die at all? Not physically, not spiritually. Hallelujah. Even so come, Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen. So you have the first fruits of the resurrection, and then you have the foundation of the resurrection. Now, this is going to get a little complicated, but I think if you stay with me, we can get through this. This is the future order of the resurrection. Verse 23 says, But each one in his own order... Christ the firstfruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming. Now, in the Bible, resurrection is a preeminent theme. 
we have the resurrection of Christ, but there's other resurrections, and I want to go through these with you so you understand them, and we don't leave here ignorant. Stage one is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. More than 2,000 years ago, Christ was raised from the dead. And that doesn't mean he was the first one ever to overcome death. Some people will say, no, Pastor Jeremiah, he wasn't the first. There were people in the Old Testament who were resurrected. What about Lazarus and the widow's son and Jairus' daughter? There were at least 10 events in which people rise from the dead in the Bible. That's true. But Christ's resurrection was different from them all because whereas they rose to die again, Jesus rose to die no more. And when he rose to live in the power of an endless life, he rose with a glorified body. So he is the first resurrection. This is a wonderful reminder for all of us that when we get to know the resurrected Jesus, we're getting to know Jesus as he really is today. We remember, do we not, that we discovered one of the things we may not have known about Jesus, that he's in heaven in his body, in his glorified, resurrected body. He is in heaven. When we pray to him, he hears us, not just through his spirit, but he hears us through his humanity. He is in heaven. When we see him in heaven someday, he will show us the scars in his hands and the wound in his side and probably where the thorns went on his head and forever whenever we see him throughout eternity we'll be reminded of the price that was paid for us to be in heaven with the Lord Jesus the degree to which we neglect the resurrection is the degree to which we neglect to think about Jesus as he really is Jesus is in heaven in his resurrected body So, stage one in the resurrections is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But how many of you know there's another resurrection coming? And here's how that works. Let me just paint this picture the best I can. Here we are, folks. We're living in the church age. That's where we are right now. How many of you know the end of the church age is when Jesus comes back in the rapture? He doesn't come all the way back to the earth. We go up to meet him, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that when Jesus comes back in the rapture, what will happen is those who have died already, those who are asleep in Jesus, the Bible says it this way. They will hear the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise. There's the second resurrection. Rise first. Somebody said, who are the dead in Christ? Where they're not the people that fall asleep in church. They're the people who died. (laughs) The dead in Christ are the people who die as Christians before Jesus comes back. The Thessalonians were all concerned when they heard about all the good things that were going to happen in the future because their loved ones had already died and they were in the grave and they were saying, what about mom and dad? What about gramps and and grandma? What's going to happen to them? And Jesus said, don't worry about that. Paul wrote, he said, when Jesus comes back, there's going to be a shout, the voice of the archangel. And when that happens, The dead in Christ shall rise first. That means that all of us who have loved ones who have already died as Christians, they will participate in stage two of the resurrections. The next resurrection that is coming is the resurrection of all who have died in Christ during the church age, during this time as we await the return of Jesus Christ. Resurrection number Somebody says, why do they come first? And some wag said, because they have six feet further to go. I don't know if that's true or not. 
We'll have some more of this in a few days. There'll be a little separation between part one and part two of this message because we're going to sweep everything aside for Christmas. Tomorrow is the first Christmas message, and it's called The Wonder of Christmas. Don't miss the Christmas collection as we move through these very special days. And uh, let me just say it now, early perhaps, Merry Christmas to you. Let's celebrate the real meaning of Christmas as we walk through these next days. Let's honor Christ. Let's be bold and contagious in our witness. And let's let the world know that Christ has not just come into the world. He's come into our hearts. He's come into our homes. He's come into our churches. And he makes a difference. Tomorrow, the wonder of Christmas here on Turning Point. Don't forget, you can get the brand new devotional for the new year from Turning Point. They just came out. I have one of the first ones in my hand right now. They're beautiful, soft leather, um, individual stitching, and just just beautifully designed. But inside, there's a devotional for every day of the new year, and even including extra one for leap year, which is coming up. You can get your devotional and have a reading partner for every day of the new year by just simply sending a year-end gift to Turning Point to help us with the propagation of the gospel and then asking for your copy of the devotional. We'll send it to you as soon as we get your request, and you'll be ready to go for the new year. Friends, thank you so much for being a part of what we do here. Have a great day, and uh, don't forget, tomorrow we begin our Christmas teaching. Don't miss it right here on Turning Point. I'm David Jeremiah. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, The Jesus You May Not Know, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new 365-day devotional for 2024 walking with Jesus. It's sure to inspire you through the year ahead, and it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions, with notes and articles from Dr. Jeremiah's decades of study. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we share a special Christmas message on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. All we do each day, Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point work to make a global impact for the kingdom of God, but we can't do it alone. That's where Bible Strong Partners come in. These loyal monthly supporters form the foundation of Turning Point, allowing Dr. Jeremiah to teach the whole counsel of God. Partnering with Turning Point enables you to share in the eternal impact of this ministry, leading people to Christ through our media and printed resources, multiplying Bible teaching broadcasts, presenting the gospel around the globe, and strengthening the saints. In appreciation for your partnership, Turning Point wants to provide you with exclusive monthly resources and study guides, member-only communications, an on-demand library of study content, and so much more. Are you ready to see what the Lord will do? Let's expect to change the world together. Go to davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong to become a BibleStrong partner today. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong. 
As much as I love Christmas, I've never been able to connect the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh given to Jesus with the commercial deluge of buying and selling that goes on every year in December. Somehow, over 2,000 years of history, we've moved from a simple act of worship to something on which our nation's economy depends every year. Every person has to find his or her own comfort zone when it comes to spending at Christmas. Gifts at Christmas are wonderful to give and receive, and I enjoy doing both. As I give and receive, however, I try to let every gift remind me of God's gift to mankind at that first Christmas. And this is David Jeremiah, and that is the Christmas story on Route 66. Driving the word home this Christmas on Route 66. Log on to Route66life.com and start your journey home today.